The following is a presentation by The Tabernacle, a community of changed lives. For more information regarding service times, or if you would like to make a donation to The Tabernacle, you can do so by visiting our website at www.thetabchurch.com. Welcome to the Tabernacle. How's everybody doing? I can't hear people in Manistee, but I'm hoping you're doing well. My name is John. I'm one of the pastors, and I'm glad that you're here. Uh, Quick to listen, slow to speak. How are we doing with that? Wasn't that the worst? Uh, If you uh, have no idea what I'm talking about, uh, or if you're listening online, uh, you might want to go back to last week's message. Maybe you've been on vacation, but uh, in our full series, we've been going uh, through different Proverbs, uh, places where the Bible compares foolish living with wise living, foolish living and wise living. And, And really a definition of wisdom is simply this, it's the ability to discern right from wrong, at least biblically. To know what the difference is. So it's not about how smart you are, what your aptitude is. You can be wise and be young. You can be wise and be old. And hopefully by the time I'm old, I'll be able to discern better what's right from wrong. But last weekend, we talked about, Scripture says that we need to be careful with our mouths. That we should be quick to listen and slow to speak. All right. Yeah, some of us got that. That's hard for me. And by, uh, or, or judging by the feedback that I got on social media and emails, it was quite overwhelming. Let's just, we could probably just preach that sermon again and have another reflection time, another time of repentance, because I think we hit a nerve with that one, right? That's something not just to work on, but to continually run after Jesus with. The reason I'm holding uh, the popsicle stick, the tongue depressor, that's also a reference to last week is we said that the words that come out of our mouths are a reflection of what's in our heart. And so the same way a doctor can look in my mouth and tell what's going on with me physically, the Holy Spirit and others that are filled with the Spirit can listen to the words that we say and discern what's going on in our hearts. And the only reason I'm bringing all of that back up, we're not going to re-preach that, it's that this sermon this week is really part two of last week. I'm getting ahead of myself. So I was in a convenience store, and I've got quick to listen, slow to speak in my brain, you know, all in preparation, and then afterwards, because you can't preach something like that and then just go off, right? Because you'll all hold me to it. 
right? So I'm, I'm just really working on that. And so I'm trying to listen. I'm trying to listen. I'm in a convenience store and it's taken an extra long time. I don't know. I couldn't find what I wanted, the snacksy that I was after or whatever. And, and uh, during that time, I, I wasn't on purpose observing some people, but I was aware, right? I was aware that there was a young family. There's a mom and she's got her daughter and apparently her bladder's about to explode, and the child is like, I, you know, mom, I want to get this, you know, candy bar and that little thing. And she's, would you just come with me right now? We're going to the bathroom. Maybe your father's got money. I don't have any money with me, you know. And I'm like, oh, let's watch this. Let's just see what's going to happen, right? So I kind of took my time. And then, and then I see a dad with a boy. And I'm like, oh, these two are connected. And he's in a good mood. And he's got junior, you know, and he's getting an ice cream. And they're all like fired up about the ice cream. And, and it's like, oh, this is cool. And then he's paying for it. And then, uh, uh, and then he's like, no, 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 you're going to go get in the car. And I'm going to come back and see if mom and whatever the girl's name was uh, need something. By the way, um, if this was you somewhere here in northern Michigan, either watching or listening, Thank you for the illustration. That's all I have to say, right? Uh, so he goes out, and really the long was taking a long time, or line was taking a long time, and I'm just trying to be quick to listen, slow to speak. I don't need any remarks about how long it takes, right? And uh, 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 the guy comes back in, and right as he comes back in, I'm aware because I'm paying. She's right here, and these are the words out of her mouth. Why did you leave us in here? And he's like, What? Why did you go to the car without us? You know I don't have money. And it, 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 here's a public service announcement. If your marriage is terrible, <laughs> maybe not play it out in public, right? Or if you're having a bad day, because I'm going to tell you, the store I was in, of which it will remain unnamed, it was suddenly everyone's involved in this marriage because of the volume, Right? She's going off on the dude that was just putting his kid in the car because the ice cream was going to melt and had come back to pay or to see if she wanted something, right? And I don't know. They maybe, you know, maybe he's a horrible person and I caught him in a good moment. I don't know. Maybe he deserved it. I don't know. But I'm aware these people are not quick to listen or slow to speak at all. Or the next part of that verse, which is slow to become angry because his response was, Uh, calm down. Yeah, apparently this bro did not get the memo. The memo, of course, in case you missed the memo, is never in the history of calming down. Has anyone ever calmed down by being told to calm down? Especially if it's your wife and she's already at DEFCON 4, right? And so... I didn't even need the tongue to press her because this was a moment when anger took over and I didn't want to watch the place burn down and I left. Have you ever been in a place like that? Where all of a sudden the mouth and this mouth and all of a sudden you're like, where did we snap? Where did the break happen? Anger is what we're talking about. Some of us struggle with anger. In fact, I would say many of us struggle with anger. Now, I think I said it last week before we were talking about the mouth. I want to say it again just in case I didn't. The, this message is for me. All the messages are for me first. I don't preach at people. Because if I'm not cut by them, usually it's a dud of a message. But when God's word cuts me first, 
That's when I can communicate in a way I think sometimes that we can connect with. And so I just want to say that this message is for you. And it's not for your husband sitting next to you or your wife or that person or boy, I hope that person's listening. Because anger isn't always that outward explosion. In fact, some of us have the benefit of uh, having, you know, the, the type of personality that when you're angry, everyone knows it and we don't have to guess. But some of us are like little ninja anger people, right? We have a smile. Hi, I'm fine. Right? And we're angry people that are really sweet on the outside and are just churning with something on the inside. And the anger I'm talking about too, I was talking to a friend just as I was coming in here who uh, apparently uh, stubbed his toe in the morning on the side of the bed. Have you ever done that? That can take, oh yeah, you all just, here, I don't know about Manistee, but in Buck, there was like, oh, my toes just crinkle up in my shoes when that happens. That's something different. That's like pain, that's fight or flight, you know, that's when that happens, I want to fight the bed, right? <laughs> but then you dial it down, but when that happens and it turns into a harsh word at her, when that affects your whole day, or if you kick the dog, what's churning in there? You see, anger can be expressed outward, but sometimes anger is this seething cauldron, and it could be anger about something that happened decades ago. Decades ago. couple Proverbs I want us to look at. The first one is in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 16. Which, by the way, the Bible has a lot to say about anger and controlling our temper. But it says in verse 16, A fool is quick-tempered, but a wise person stays calm when insulted. So there's a verse. If you have a quick temper, you go off half-cocked, you can go zero to 60 in just a misunderstood word. It says you're a fool. But wisdom finds a way to stay calm. And by the way, this is not the sermon where I'm going to say, so when you stub your toe, count to 10, right? Or as Thomas Jefferson said, when you're mad, count to 10. When you're really mad, count to 100, right? Mark Twain had some words to say about that, but you can look it up on Google later. Put your phones away, unless you're looking at your Bible. Next chapter, in, in Proverbs chapter 14, it says, people with understanding control their anger. A hot temper shows great foolishness. We can all think of examples when our temper or getting angry real quickly. Have you ever gotten angry at the wrong person? Am I the only one, you bunch of liars? <laughs> Have you ever just gone, you know, you had it all prepared, you'd already rehearsed it in your mind, and then you took this person to the mat, and then they're like, uh, I never said that. And you're like, Really? Yes, you did. And then the other person goes, no, I said that. And then you continue to be mad at both of them because you can't just remove the anger from this because you've already destroyed them in your mind. There's a problem there, right? A hot temper is foolishness because it can do great damage to ourselves and the people we love and care about. A hot temper can cost you your job. It can cost you a sale. It can cost you a yellow card. I don't know anything about that. But it says if you have understanding or wisdom, you'll control your anger. That's interesting. And then if we flip to the end of Proverbs, Proverbs uh, 29. Here's another one. It says, fools vent their anger, but the wise 
quietly hold it back. Fools vent it. Back in the 70s and 80s, psychologists and counselors told us that when you get angry, that you should vent it. Get a punching bag, right? Uh, uh, get a tomahawk and throw it at a tree a bunch of times so the tree falls down, right? Uh, find something to go shoot, you know, go punch something, kick something, be safe about it. They even told us to do this with our children. The problem is with that when Bible, or the Bible says that, that that's foolish to vent it in that way. You want to be destructive, you want to kill, you want to burn, you want to blow something up, get some tannerite and have a great day, right? Well, what happens when the only way you can vent your anger then is on a person? Or what happens when you're a grown man and you throw a refrigerator out of the fifth story window because you're angry and you need to break something and the window wasn't open when you did it? It's not constructive. You see, the same thing with the mouth, with our anger. There's something deep in our hearts that God wants to fix. And he wants us to be wise. Because even if you're here and you're not a Christian, or you're listening and you're watching and you're not a Christian, all of us know that this anger can't be productive all the time. And when we're acting in these ways, it's not just foolishness, it's incredibly destructive. So what am I driving at here? Is that anger has dangerous power. It has dangerous power. We're going to explore anger just a little bit. So just go there with me. Because if we can understand it a little bit, then I think we can help be wise about anger and not be foolish about anger. So it's got dangerous power. What kind of power? Well, there's consequences. When you go off on the wrong person, when you yell at someone that doesn't deserve it, or maybe they do deserve it, but you do irreparable damage. Some of us have been scarred by the anger that our mother or father or someone close to us who is in a position of authority, maybe a grandparent or a coach, they had never dealt with their anger, and so their anger came out on us. And you're still reaping the consequences of that. The power of anger can go on and on and on through generations. It can infect entire communities to the point where sometimes people have forgotten why they're so angry with one another anymore got dangerous power but it's not just the anger damage that happens to them studies show that people that struggle with a hot temper and they struggle with anger oh that's just the way i was raised i just have a hot temper you know i'm just a redhead that's a stereotype i know but i just wanted to tell all the redheads i love you right we come up with excuses like that but people that struggle with that tend to have higher cases of hypertension, heart disease, heart attack, and they die younger. Because anger eats away our insides physically. Now, you might have a hot temper or might have anger, and everyone on the outside thinks you're Mr. or Mrs. Cool. Because remember, anger can be vented out there, or anger... Because of our environment, you can learn, you bury it down deep and never deal with it. Oh, baby, let me tell you something. I just called the congregation baby. <laughs> Especially you, Manistee, right? That anger will explode like a hot volcano. And it'll happen to your spouse. It'll happen to your boyfriend or girlfriend. It'll happen on your children. Anger has dangerous power. Anger is 
unbelievably addictive. It's unbelievably addictive. Because the more I vent my anger, I might feel feelings of guilt or I might feel the power of anger. Either way, I want more of it. Some of us realize if you're a large person, you have anger and you vent it that way. People get out of your way. You get your way. You like being in control and you're angry because you've never been in control. But the anger helps me control. I want more of it. And it feeds it. Some of us, we we just need drama in our lives. Because drama in our lives make us feel alive, right? Something's going on with somebody. We don't even really care about that person, but we want to get mad about it because then I get the little feels of anger and I just feel alive and I can take a side. Boy, you're going to be bored in heaven. Seriously, some of us are addicted to anger. You've got to be angry at someone. Your husband, your wife could be trying their best. You just need to keep it going. Fight with me because I'm bored, right? Anger has dangerous power. Now, there's another thing we have to understand about this anger that has a dangerous power. Anger is not a thing. Anger is an emotion. It's an emotion. Now, this is no fault of my parents. It's just what I caught growing up. I, growing up, I thought anger was wrong. And I thought that anger was a sin. How many of you had the same type of upbringing? Or maybe you're even teaching your kids this right now. Because that's a huge misunderstanding in the church. Show of hands here in Manistee. How many of you kind of thought that maybe anger was a sin? Just raise your hand if you thought that it was a sin. Yeah. In my study and preparation, my mind was blown by how many websites, Christian websites, Christian authors, pastors, in black and white. I could show them to you on the screen, but I won't because I don't want you to go to their websites. Bad teaching. Anger is a sin. Anger is not a sin. It's an emotion. And God created all our emotions. And God can't create anything evil. Think about that for a moment. Well, where did evil come from? This is a basic apologetics question. It's when we take good things and turn them into God things. And then they become bad things. Food is not evil. If you eat all the food, there's going to be problems. Alcohol in and of itself is not evil. If you drink too much of it, there's going to be consequences. And just like anger, that can be highly addictive. So it's important to understand that anger is a thing. It's an emotion that God created and it has dangerous power. That's why the scriptures that I said say we have to figure out how to control it. So it's not helpful to tell someone, don't be angry. In fact... The point of this message is going to be different. That's the problem is most of us can't admit when we're really angry. Because somehow we think that, uh, well, that's a bad thing. I don't want you to think I'm bad, so I'm never going to admit that I'm angry. Probably step one to learning to control anger is the ability to identify it and say, you know what? I'm angry. I've had friends tell me before, wow, you don't seem to get really angry. You don't get angry on the sideline. Oh, you have no idea. Car breaks down, you didn't get too fired up about, about that. You know, you didn't seem to be fine. Kids going, no, it's, that's, that's conditioning. That's conditioning because remember what I said last week? The mic is on with me and the camera's always rolling. Oh, I saw Pastor John at Chick-fil-A. He threw sauce at somebody because he was angry. I'd like to keep my job, so I generally keep my cool. You don't know what's going on inside here. I came to you last week and I had all these complaints and you just smiled and said, I love you. Yeah, inside I wanted to kill you. That's conditioned. 
We have to learn how to harness this dangerous power of anger that's an emotion that God created. Anger, in and of itself, is not sin. Let that sink. But anger can lead us to sin. The thing about anger is this. This is what's been helpful for me. Anger reveals what we love the most. In fact, I've heard it said that anger is energy towards defending that which we love the most. Energy towards the defense of that which we love the most. So picture this, a parent that sees a child under attack or under distress or in danger. The energy, it's almost like could be adrenaline, especially if it's a small child that motivates you in that direction. You're wondering why you said those things to the referee at her volleyball game, right? That's energy towards the defense of the thing that we love the most. That's what anger is. Because anger reveals what we love the most. So think about it this way. If you're never angry, then you don't love anything. And if you don't love anything, that's sin. Whoa. Like that took my framework for understanding anger. And maybe it's not impressive to you. To me, it was like, bull. To never get angry, that's a sin. However, to blow up in anger, to be controlled by anger, to be addicted to anger, to vent it on people that don't deserve it, to do things that are out of control and damaging, that's also sin. So what are we supposed to do with this thing called anger, this emotion that God created that we have? First, we have to understand that anger reveals what we love the most. Maybe we should break that down a little bit more. When you're snubbed, don't you get angry? Your text, your phone call not returned, that person that blew you off, that person that was like, eh, oh, that's what you're wearing, right? Doesn't it make you mad? Oh, you have to stop lying to me. I'm a preacher and that's double jeopardy. Give me a little something, all right? When, when we're insulted, remember what the proverb said, why do we get angry? Well, think about that. If anger reveals what we love the most, this causes me to look inward. Oh, well, I, I'll tell you what I think about her, you know? Why do we just go there? We're going to gossip about it, put it on Twitter, Facebook, and we're going to do all that stuff, and next time you're going to go, oh, that's what you wore? Yeah, no, flats, it should have been heels, huh? I don't know anything about that, but... What is it that we love the most in that moment? Our image, our reputation, what you think of me. Oh, we don't like to talk about anger like that. Pastor Tim, when he talks about anger, he says that we should ask this question. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? I'm going to add to that. What are you defending? So if anger is energy to defend that which I love the most, when I'm personally snubbed and that drives me to anger, how dare he say that? How dare they do that? Do you, can you believe that? I don't, what am I defending? 
What am I defending? What am I afraid of? That people will think bad of me? What is that called? Pride, ego, me, self. Anger reveals what we love the most. For some of us, even to use the example of our children again, a children, or, you know, our child was overlooked. Our child didn't get the award. Our child didn't get the place on the team. Our child, and this is where it's really revealed because you want to see people feel self-righteous in their anger. It's when it's about their kids, right? So my child was overlooked and I'm angry and I'm going to give the coach who, why, and what for. What am I afraid of? Well, it's a child. Of course we would defend a child. Defend a child from what? Life? Hardship, hard work, discipline, consequences. They got to learn it sometime. I'm not the perfect parent, but I live in a world with a whole generation of parents that raise their children to be their buddies instead of being parents. And they rush to the defense of which they love the most. Are you tracking with me yet? So when I make my pride that which I love the most, so if you offend me, I've got to defend it. That's pride, that's ego, that's sin. I've made myself an idol. And I do the same thing with my children. When I have to defend, when my anger just goes overboard and I vent on a teacher or a coach or whomever that's supposedly offended my child, what is it? I've made my child that which I love the most. Well, of course I should know, love God the most. Love God the most. And if you love your child, and if I love my child... I'm able to, yeah, I'm going to get angry. That's natural. But i got to learn to control that. Because sometimes it isn't even the child, if we're honest. Because this is where we get angry. It's what will they think of me as the parent of that child sitting on the bench. Oh, and it just came back to me and my pride and my ego. We're wicked. Am I going too fast? If that's what anger is, it's energy to that which I love the most. And so I have to find myself saying, what is it that I love the most? See, anger is not always a bad thing. Anger can be a good thing. It can be a good thing. I I have the privilege to be a coach. And so I can watch players and I, I see their successes and I see their disappointments. And, and right now we've just started another season. And, and one of the things that I really enjoy watching is when I see one or two, or th I'm thinking of three different players right now, that in their freshman or sophomore year, they didn't have a lot of success. They didn't get picked for the team. I mean, they were on the team, but they didn't get picked in the lineup. They got very limited playing time because they either didn't have the skill or they weren't fit or whatever. And I know that that hurt them. And I know that there was some anger when that remember that's anger that's a good thing that god created it can become a bad thing remember if you never get angry that's sin if you're blowing up in anger now all three of these guys could have said in anger i quit i'm out but i watched all three instead turn it into something else all one of them got really 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 fit because that was his issue two other ones took my advice and they went and ran track because they didn't even know how to run Soccer, you got to know how to run a little bit. All three of them come back the next... The anger had become a motivator, not to prove me wrong, but what they loved, what they cared about is they knew that they could do better and they wanted to do better. And they didn't vent it on me. They didn't vent it with mom who vented on me. They vented it on the weight room. Okay, that's good. Because see, anger can motivate us that way. 
But in our heart of hearts, we have to be very careful in our controlling of anger because it'll reveal that which we love the most. Scripture tells us that we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, our soul, and our mind, and our strength. And we're to love our neighbor as ourself. Notice self is third. It's third. In Psalm 103, a Psalm of David, this is what it says about God. It says, The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. Did you know God gets angry? God gets angry. It says that there's a verse. He's slow to get angry. It doesn't say he never gets angry. In the book of Ephesians, it says to us that we would, should be slow to become angry. Anger is not a sin. It's a thing. It'll reveal that which we love the most. God gets angry. I'm supposed to be like God. But aren't you glad that we serve a God who's slow to get angry? He's slow to get angry, but he does get angry. And for us, the whole point of this message, just like it was quick to listen, slow to speak, we need together be slow to anger. Be slow to anger. Get angry, but be slow. Now, what do I mean by slow? I was thinking about this uh, just this week. Be slow to, or being slow to anger does not mean bury it, bury it, Bury it, bury it, bury it. Doesn't mean three strikes, four strikes, five strikes, and then boom. The implication of be slow to anger the way God is, is it's constructive. It has a point. There is a time to say something. But as I heard one uh, pastor say about anger, it should be a surgical strike, not a daisy cutter. Sorry to use weapons terminology. Apparently that went like this. What I mean is when your child is being foolish and the foolishness might lead them to physical harm, you don't go after the child and obliterate them. You go after the fool that's in the child. That's a surgical strike. Being slow to anger is not... You know what? You ruin everything you touch. You're the worst. I don't even know if you're going to survive on your... That, that is completely unnecessary. You're probably an abuser and need therapy and your kids should go into foster care. That's really how I feel. Because that's what many of us were told. And we're still feeling the after effects of that. But being slow to anger, I can be angry about the sin. I can be angry about the foolishness. But being slow to anger means what's the most constructive way that I can do this? Isn't that the way God is with us? The fact that God has not squashed me like a bug yet blows my mind. He is slow to anger with John Vermilia. But there's times when I have to reap the consequences of my foolishness. But he just doesn't throw the John out with the bathwater. That's how we're supposed to be. Be slow to anger. So it's not just bury it and then blow. So, so if I'm never angry, that's sin. Because I don't love anything. And you're in denial. If I'm blowing up at everything, there's a problem. 
That's not under control. Be slow to anger. Would you say that with me, both here and in Manistee? I know some of you hate this part of it, but it helps us remember. Would you just say that? Just read it right off the screen. Be slow to anger. That's where we're supposed to be. That's where we're supposed to be. So how do we deal with it? As we close, how do we deal with it? Maybe you're a person that's like, okay, this is all good. Now I understand it. Yeah, there's some good examples. I could probably think of 18 more. But how do I get to a place where the snap doesn't happen? Because it's a problem. This isn't a formula, but this has been helpful for me. Here's the first thing for all of us. Admit it. Admit when you are angry. Admit it. Call it what it is. It's the same thing with sin, right? But in order for this not to become sin, we start with, you know, and maybe you're the, I'm angry. And maybe you're the, you know, I'm angry. Either way, admit it. If you can admit it out loud, great. If you can admit it to someone you trust, even better. I'm angry. Now, here's the hard part. Here's the second thing. And I didn't put it on the screen because, again, I didn't want it to look like a formula. But if you're writing it down, this is pretty easy to remember. But if you're writing it down, just get them in a list. Here's the second one. Examine it. Dig deeper. Take a minute. What am I angry about? And the way to figure that out, because remember... Anger reveals what we love the most, okay? It might take some time, and you might need some help, and it might not come easy. And don't give yourself a break. Ask yourself the question, what is it that I'm afraid of? What am I afraid of in this moment? Better yet, ask yourself this, what am I rushing to defend right now? And church, I'm going to tell you, I think what you'll find is the same thing that I find when I'm angry when I'm really angry, when it's seething, when it could become a problem, when I'm going to give somebody a piece of my mind. Usually what I find when I dig down deep, when I've admitted it and now I'm examining it, what I'm rushing to defend is me. It's not always that way. If you followed the news, you know it's been devastating. It's been a devastating month for, uh, I guess, pop Christianity. As we see singers and we see songwriters and we see authors and even a megachurch pastor just come out and very publicly say that, you know, they don't believe the Bible or they don't believe what the Bible says or they don't believe what the Bible says about gender. Or they don't believe what several of them have just completely said, I'm not a Christian anymore. And it's been devastating because they had followers, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. And I'm going to tell you, I get angry. That makes me angry. I was sitting on a mower this week thinking about it. I'm angry about this. I want to do something. And I can call that righteous anger. You know what? I'm going to write an article. You know what? I'm going to drive to that guy's house. You know what? I'm going to pick up the phone. You know what? I'm going to ban that from this church. It's like, wait a minute. What am I really trying to defend? Well, Lord, I'm defending the church. I'm defending God's truth. I'm defending what you've told me to say and do and be and live for and die for if necessary. But then when I examine it, I go, wait, what are you defending the most? Ah. Well, if that is righteous, John, once we've dug down that deep, here's the last thing. Transform it. Transform. So you admit that you're angry. You examine what the love is. And then you transform it. 
So for me in that issue, that's not my job to vent and blow up like it just did, okay? But that's not my job. My job is to continue to preach the truth with zeal and perseverance and creativity and humor in the most effective way that I can see to do it. To speak truth where I hear lies. To proclaim this is what the Bible says regardless of how you feel. That's how you transform it. You say, well, what about if it's my kids? It's the same thing. My kids going is under stress. Are they in physical harm? No. Are they being emotionally abused? No. What is this really? Well, I just wanted them to be the star. That's not really about them. That's about me. How do I transform it? I confess that to God. That's part of the transformation. And I say, God, can you pray this prayer? God, do whatever you have to do to my kid. Just make them a follower of you. They're yours anyways. That's how you might transform that. That person who insulted you, what does the scripture say? How do you transform that? So someone insults you, they snub you, they cut you off, they took the sale, they, you know, they got the girl, whatever it is. Well, admit it, I'm angry, I'm angry. Examine it. Oh, that's about me, I felt snubbed, that was personal, that hurt. How do I transform it? Well, the Bible says if your enemy's hungry, feed them. If your enemy's thirsty, give them something to drink. Love your enemies. Forgive Bless those who curse you. Bless and do not curse. You see, that's the part that is in black and white that we don't want to do. Because that means that I didn't get my justice. I didn't look good. What about my reputation and so forth and so on? But if we can admit it, we can dig down deep and examine it. What am I trying to defend here? Then I get to that part where I say, God, I got to give this to you. How do we transform it? How do you transform it, really? How do we turn it to something else? So we're going to close the same way we did last week, both here and in Manistee. We're going to take a moment, an awkward moment of reflection time. Because I think sometimes we move from one thing to the next thing a bit too quick. And so what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to stay seated. And our musicians will give us a little something to fill in the awkward thing that drowns out the coughs and the giggles. Right? But please don't speak to anybody. I'm not trying to treat us like children. I'm trying to set up a little space where this can be a house of prayer. This is also a time where you can fill out one of these cards that you might want to communicate with us. This is what I'm struggling with. This This is where I need you to pray for me. This is where I need help. Or maybe it's just, uh, this, is a, this is a commitment I made today. Maybe for you, it's, uh, you know what? I need help with my anger, and I gave it to God today. I'm going to admit it. I've been an angry person. I need help. You might need to set an appointment. There's people that can help you examine it and unpack it. But spend some time in this reflection time. Either filling out one of these. You can drop them in one of the red boxes on the way out. Uh, Even if you just want to update your profile. No one will ever know. But let's listen to God together. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord Jesus... Thank you that you got angry. But that you were slow to become angry. God, would you speak to us now in these moments? 